Hello and welcome to He's Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And today we're talking about mid-90s. That's right. It's a coming-of-age, uh, sort of nostalgic, hangout movie about skating in the mid-90s. It's directed, written and directed by Jonah Hill. Yes. It's the first film he's directed. Um, and written, I think. Um, and, you know, there's uh, lots of hype. But the trailer looked really good and the trailer was full of glowing praise. It was you know, covered with all of these sort of quotes and reviews saying it was glorious, it's magical and stuff. Um, I feel a little bit let down in the light of those. But I did like it. Oh, I liked it very much. I loved it. Um, I so didn't think I, it was quite... I hadn't heard the, anything about it. I didn't even know what we were going to see, and I was um, delighted from the beginning. And also, it feels to me that it's a real filmmaker's film. Yeah, it's it's a personal project. It's about kind of expressing an idea of childhood and of coming of age, and of family, and of alternative families, and of the of a culture of skating. Yeah. Yeah. So and I thought it did all of those things incredibly well. So it's set in the mid nineties, as the title suggests. Um, your main character is this thirteen-year-old kid played by um, Sonny Sulich, mm. who we've previously seen in *The Killing of a Sacred Deer*. Yes. Not been very much; he is only thirteen. Um, he's very good, and I did recognise him. Yes. Um, and he uh, starts to he basically makes friends with a group of skaters who hang around in a skate shop and they skate around the back of it and stuff. Um, he he just basically kind of invites himself in with them, really. And very quickly, they just accept him. And in fact, he ends up with a nickname very quickly as well. Yeah. So he becomes part of the group. Um, and in that kind of uh, hangout movie tradition, in a way, I guess, it kind of starts off sort of nowhere and ends up sort of nowhere. Like, there isn't a huge... It's not plot-driven. It's about experiences. It's about um, a kind of life lifestyle mm. and... Um, and this kid sort of very gradual kind of education in a different way of life, growing up, learning things. Yes, he's a very polite kid, really nice. Um, and actually, it's also at that moment, uh, the film traces that moment where where things change, where, you know, a, 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 a kid goes from being a boy into being like a teenager. Yeah. So it's also at that moment, and the mother's bewildered about, about what's happening to him. He's also not clear about, you know, kind of what's happening to him. Um, the film is very tactful about how it shows us, you know, uh, him smoking, drinking, beginning to have sex. Yeah, it's all done kind of with feeling and delicacy, actually. Um, and I thought all of that was really beautiful. Yeah, so um, he's, um, he's, like I say, 13 years old. He's got a brother who's more like 17, 18 years old. And um, their mother is in her mid-30s. And she's a single parent. You don't know about the dad or mm. dads. Mm. Um, and she's kind of... They have a kind of loving relationship, although there's not, not an awful lot of talking, particularly with the older brother. Mm. There's, I think the relationship with the older brother is kind of interesting because he's, he's, he's protective, I think, but he also is quite aggressive and um, competitive. Competitive and has a hard time sort of showing um, that he likes his brother or that he loves him. Well, it's not not that he has a hard time showing it, but just he kind of 
it's only when it really matters that it comes out. So there's this car accident later on, mm. and the kid is in hospital. And it's at this point that the, the brother is there when the kid wakes up, and he offers him an orange juice, and he has one himself. Actually, it's weird, because the brother's played by Lucas Hedges, who we both know from uh, Three Billboards, amongst other things. And Manchester by the Sea is where he really made an impression on me. Yeah, he's great in that. But um, in Three Billboards in particular, I remember this scene where he's in hospital and... Um, Sam Rockwell's character is in hospital with him, and and, and he's Sam Rockwell's previously beaten the crap out of him, mm. and they're both in the hospital together, and Lucas Hedges gives uh, Sam Rockwell some orange juice, mm. and it's and in that scene it's a, it's a kind of token of uh, sort of humility or forgiveness, mm. and there has and there's a similar flavour in it here. It's a weird coincidence. I think he's wonderful. I think because in in many ways he's very recessive, so actually. The, the trick to the role is to express everything that this person who keeps everything inside is feeling, right? And he does it beautifully, you know? Yeah. So, you know, you, you, he doesn't say anything, but you understand everything that's going on in his head, so. Um, the kids that uh, the young lads start to hang out with, and there's a group of uh, kids played by, so... Uh, Gio Galicia plays Ruben, who's this young uh, Mexican kid, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, things that, I think that's the suggestion. Well, I think there's some dialogue about whether he is or isn't. Yeah, that's so. right. So, um, and he he seems to be about uh, about the same age, maybe a touch older. He's taller. Um, uh, Nakel Smith plays Ray, who is this. He, I think he must be the oldest one in the group or thereabouts. He's a black guy. He's very very good at skating, and there's talk of him going pro, and he wants to go pro and get out of where he is. Yes. Um, I, I should say it's set in LA, by the way. Yes. I don't think I have. Um, like, which is really the centre of the skate scene in, in, in at this time. Um, his best mate is uh, Fuck Shit, mm. played by uh, Olan Prenat. He's called Fuck Shit because whenever he lands a cool trick, he says, Fuck Shit, that was dope. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and there's Fourth Grade, who's so called because he's as smart as a fourth grader, who's played by Ryan McLaughlin, yes. who is a filmmaker, and he's, and he's the one hanging around with a camera all day long filming them skating. Yes. I thought of those, the one who made, who, who, who made most of an impression is... What's his name? Nikkei... Nikkei Smith. Nikkei Smith. Who plays Ray. Um, He's the kind of level-headed one of the group. Yeah, so, so, so they all seem to be non-professional actors, but he's got a real presence. Yeah, and he's got... And he's very quiet. He's very still. So it's that trick of, again, kind of somebody who's not doing much, but kind of propels you to watch them, right? Um, and he's kind of... Um, basically a kind person and, and really quite sensitive to others and you know and at the same time he's like the best skater of the lot yeah yeah and as I say he's like the level headed one so he's the one who when kind of push comes to shove a little bit later and, and there are tensions in the group that that uh, start to kind of become manifest he's the one who um, sits down with what's the kid's name uh, Stevie Sunburn mm-hmm. is his nickname that's the young lad he's the one who goes out and sits down with Stevie and talks about like this is these are who these people are and these are our problems and actually even though it seems like your problem's really bad you wouldn't trade yours for theirs and mm. here's kind of who we all are and stuff and just kind of he he has a kind of perspective on things he's the one who is very aware of fuck shit's drinking and, and drug mm. use and um as he sees Stevie being kind of drawn into that he's the one who encourages him to 
put it, mm. put the drink down and that sort of thing. Let's talk a little bit about the film's form because I th- I think it's very impressive and it actually also has to do with you know the performances of this non-professional cast because a lot of it is handheld camera in really long takes, uh, often extraordinarily long takes, um, and you know with all, with with the camera choreographing all of these children most of them non-professional actors in extended bouts of dialogue or skating or movement and i found that very very impressive it's also in full frame yeah. properly evoking sort of um mid-90s kind of skater video aesthetics at points mm-hmm. um, and, and the film ends up the film finishes off with a, a genuine skater video of all the lot of them mm. together um i didn't notice so many Long takes as you did. I, I mean, I noticed one or two, but I, 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 what the feeling that I got a lot was was actually it just being very well edited. And um, th- there's a music video aesthetic to a lot of it. Like there are set pieces with music playing. Mm, there, well, there is that. Yes, I, I see that. That's kind of what I picked up. From um, it, kind of, uh, like I say, instead of it being kind of uh, brilliantly choreographed long takes. Although I do recognise some of what you're talking about, for well, me the feeling I got was was of the film just sitting you in kind of a world where it could jump about to wherever it liked and give you a picture of a whole kind of scenario. Well, it's interesting because so maybe we're picking up on the same thing but differently. So because I do know some of what you're saying. So the whole scene in the party, for example, you know where there's a time lapse thing where it's kind of it's edited on the beat. But also, kind of giving the impression that the party's unfurling. The right? jump cuts. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I can see those moments. Um, but actually, if you look at the film within a film that ends the film, that looks and feels completely different to the movie, though it is very much a kind of an archetypal video oh, yeah. of its time. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So I think kind of those differences are interesting because. I think what he's done, Jonah Hill, is it, I, I think it's a beautiful job of direction, really, because, you know, it's, it is very cleverly edited, as you say. It's got a 4-3 frame. It's got an Academy ratio frame. Uh, and it's filmed in... There are relatively few close-ups. So, you know, kind of... It, it's, it's filmed in medium to long shots so that you can see the skating and the movement around. Yeah, and it is punctuated with kind of close-ups. I'm not mm. saying they don't exist. But actually, you get you know it's 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 designed so that you see this world unfurling, which is a world of teenage skater culture, right? Uh, and I think it's kind of it's 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 really I find it really impressive, uh, and I find it really impressive particularly when the idea is you know to express that world and you know to tell of an experience. Uh, um, there's there's. It, it feels like a very personal project. There's very kind of little in it that feels commercial. No, so I suppose that's that's quite true. It's a very male film, I think. It's a very male film um, entirely, which isn't to say that it's sort of without sensitivity. I mean, it's a, it's about sensitivity, but um, you know, the, the sort of one time that that girls are um, present in the film is in that party scene, and they're there essentially as part of. Um, one of the girls becomes uh, Stevie's first sexual experience. Mm. That's kind of her role, and and the role of the rest of them is to just is provide a counterpoint just for that one scene. And so, about what they're providing a counterpoint for is to, to talk about how bad boys are, 
you know, and how they just kind of use them for sex and how yeah. they can never talk to them clearly and so on. And actually, I think the mother is very sensitively depicted. I forgot about the mother. You know, so she's sexual, but she's very loving and caring and nurturing, you know, um, and dealing with a very, very difficult situation. I think with a lot of kindness and sensitivity and also, I suppose, anguish, really. Um, so I think you're yeah. right. It's a very male film, but it's by no means a misogynist or no, no, no. Uh, um, film. It just feels to me like a dimension that's missing somehow. But then I guess, like, um, well, I don't have a, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, I, I don't think there's a problem with dealing with a male world. And actually, you could see how this would be a male world. And it is shot from a male perspective. Well, yeah. You know, so I don't have a problem with that. I mean, well, I mean, the whole point of, of, of remember Skate Kitchen, which we saw, which was by yes. Crystal Moselle, which was which was another a very similar skate movie, um, and it was set in New York, and it's about a group of girls who skate, and yeah. that's kind of the project of that is to be a, the, the female perspective, a female perspective, and and the point really is, or one of the points is that this is a male world. Yeah. And the difference here is it, that it's not, so... It feels like an autobiographical film. Uh, oh, sure. You know, well, I, I, when I was watching it, I was thinking, you have to be probably five years older than I am to truly get this. Because yes. I, I, cause it's, it's set in the mid-90s, and I would have been just five, five or six two year, oh. years too young at the time. Yeah. Turns out Jonah Hill is five years older than I am. Oh, there you go. So, that, you know, like, <laughs> it is sort of back, those references are quite specifically really around his age. Sure. Um, and I think you know, as you say, it's a personal project. It, you can tell it really speaks to him, and he's from LA as well. Yes, and I think the lovely thing about the film is that he's made it speak to me at least. Yeah, you know, kind of, um, you know, I I understood it, and you know, all of the interrelationships within the boys are really beautifully handled. I mean, there's real complexity and nuance, and you know, you could see the competition and the jealousy between the two younger boys and, you know, how they're aiming for the approval of the older boys and, you know, kind of there is, you, you see the fondness between, what is it, fuck shit and Ray. and Ray, you know, and the protectiveness, you know, but also kind of the, 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 the anger or disappointment that, you know, kind of somebody screwing up their lives and possibly dragging you down with them, right? So so the film has all of these kind of interesting interrelationships and tensions between each of the characters. And at the same time, it's kind of, it's very fond and loving, you know? I don't think there's enough that's compelling about Stevie. Who's Stevie? The main character. Oh, no, I do. I don't. I think as, as someone... I mean, I don't think he's a bad actor, but I just think the character is not interesting enough or he's too obvious um, oh no not for me the, you know, the people that he gets involved in and the world that he gets involved in the relationships that he has are interesting and um, I kind of got attached but I thought I mean I think I don't think there's anything in the film I haven't seen before and I think his his entire character is one of them is one of those things like it just I, I felt like I could predict every moment you know well, I didn't feel that. And actually, one of the reasons why I didn't feel that is because he's really too young. He looks half the size of everybody else. So actually, I think the film took that character places that you don't normally see, right? Because, you know, basically, it's about a 12, 13-year-old boy who looks nine, <laughs> right? You know, because also kids grow up differently at those ages, right? Some mm -hmm. kind of... So you get the feeling that the two youngest boys are probably about the same age, except one, you know, has shot up and the other one hasn't. Yeah. Really. yeah. You know... Um, 
So to see kind of such a young boy in sexual situations, I mean, I had, I, I think the last time I saw that was in Pichot, you know, um, and, and, and that was another world and another country and so on. And so, and I thought actually that it was very sensitively handled. Oh, it you know, was really I, sensitively handled. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I thought it was a great scene. Well, that surprised me that the, you know, yeah. that the film went there. Have you, you know? seen This Is England by Shane no. Meadows? See, that, the, there's so much in this where, I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying it's a rip-off at all. Like, I'd be amazed if Jonah Hill's even seen This Is England. But, the, but there are elements of the story that, that are completely the same, and that's one of them. So This Is England is a story set in England in the 1980s uh-huh. about this young kid who's, who's about the same age as, as, uh, as Stevie is in this, about 13, um, who falls in with a group of lads who are older and cooler. Um, there's a there's a, a similar, I say similar. There's an identical um, uh, kind of struggle with. So like, he becomes kind of the new favourite of the group in the same way that he does in here. And there's a there's a, a, a struggle with another member of the group who feels like he's getting forced out. Mm. Same thing. And there's a similar sexual scene, which I agree, it's is similarly um, kind of surprising to see mm. in that film where he um, is kind of introduced to sex with uh, an older girl mm. who kind of takes the kind of first step and that sort of thing so I mean what that film also has is is a whole sort of neo-Nazi thing going on so I'm not saying it's exactly the same No and but, also um, I mean very significantly this is about skater culture it's all about skating you know I think what drives the kid is a desire to skate you know, and he finds kind of meaning and identity in skating. There's all those shots of him repetitively trying out his first skateboard uh, and falling and falling and falling and falling until he finally can stand on it a little bit, right? And actually, I think the film is about that. So it's not just about a young kid growing up or a relationship between a kid and his mother and his brother. It is about a kid finding his tribe, you know? So the film begins with, you know, what what trade-offs he's got to make just to buy his first skateboard and how you know how meaningful that is to him so um and actually i think the ending is that he's found his tribe right so that's the development in the story like all the kids are there in by the hospital bed and then they show the film of you know what they've done and what fun they've had and what tricks they've been able to do on the skateboard and and that's how the film ends you know so for me that was compelling yeah i think the best part of the ending for me was the was the mother's role in it that was great. Of her well. accepting that she 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 is in the hospital and she sees that all the kids are there sleeping on the chairs because because you know they're his mates and she's the one who invites them to to yeah. see him after having previously you know yeah so them off. she recognizes that they have been sleeping there all night because they love his son and want to her son and want to make sure that he's okay exactly you know and so that's a moment of understanding for her that actually. You know, he, her son is loved within this group, and therefore she's got to alter her attitude to that group. Yeah. yeah so that was lovely. I, I love that was my favourite part of the film, actually. Um, but I, 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 as much as I like it, and I think it kind of it fits very nicely into this kind of hangout um, uh, genre or hangout kind of subsection, whatever you want to call it. Um, for me, there are there are things that. I think are just too too obvious, not inventive enough, or or mm. not original. Well, I I thought there was more inventiveness in this film than in you know most of the films I've seen recently. I mean, there was that moment where I just like practically jumped off my chair. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't inventive though. You're just a huge no, no, person. no. That was that was inventive because 
you heard the sound. Well, you knew an accident was going to happen. You know, an accident was going to happen. You know, the film played with the volume and the sound to get me off my chair. And then, of course, it tricks you. And the film has these things which I thought were, were very um, inventive, which becomes part of the film's style, where the film just goes to black. Yeah, and it does so over and over again, which I, I haven't seen, uh, um, you know, done as a stylistic device like this film does it. It's constantly kind of going to black. Uh, and I thought, you know, that was, I was probably um, a necessity because that's a way in which you can um, dramatize things without showing a lot of it. So, that, you know, that in this case, that was a, a way of saving a lot of money because you don't need to show the accident happening. <laughs> you just show the after effect. But it was very clever uh, and, and works very well. Yeah, well, I didn't say it wasn't effective, but I, it, it just felt... Um that yeah, that like, like I'd seen it, and um, I yeah. The only thing that bothered me about the film is that I didn't think it was well lit enough, you know. <laughs> so there was the camera tra trailing after all of these kids, and I think that there was an element of expressiveness that the lighting could have brought that the film uh, forewent, uh, made without, did without. Uh, you know, because of the expediency of just following the actors. I think, you know, mm -hmm. a better budget or more skilled people, you could have had both the movement and the lighting. Uh, and, you know, I, I think the film didn't look good enough. And also the lighting wasn't expressive enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Otherwise, oh. it's a brilliant job of directing from Jonah Hill and completely unexpected. Well, if you say so. Well, it's my view. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just not one that I quite share. Like, I think it's perfectly kind of fun and and kind of sort of engrossing enough. But um, if I compare it, if I compare it in the one sense to This Is England, or if I compare it in the other sense to Skate Kitchen, I think both of them are superior films in different ways. Mm. Um, oh, and, I and, and both show more creativity and and how are more interesting. Um, um, I I don't know. I kind of I I I I can't talk about this as England because I haven't yeah. seen it. Um, but you know, I uh, for me, uh, Skate Kitchen. I mean, you know, it's a film that was made by the vibrancy of its subjects, and it's a documentary. You know, I think this is quite different. You're asking all these non-professional. It's not a documentary, Skate Kitchen. I, no, no, it's by it's by a director who's made documentaries before, but this but that was a narrative film. I thought it was a documentary. No. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Her her other film, what's the the Wolf Pack or whatever it's called that you've seen? Yes. Um, that was a documentary. Yes. Yeah, Crystal Moselle, um, the director of that. Yes, yes. Um, no, I kind of. Um, okay. But, well. Yeah. Um, I'll have to rethink Skate Kitchen. Because <laughs> also, we saw it with all the subjects there. Yeah, and yeah, they were yeah. talking about their experiences and so on. I really got the very strong impression that it was a documentary. Um, well, I think you must remember that. I mean, certainly at the time you didn't because we did talk about it on the sure, podcast. Sure, sure. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> and you that, did watch it. So that's just my memory then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I can understand why you would remember it that way. But, um, yeah. And, and the point, not, I don't want to compare them just to say, like, oh, well, this is shit, this is good. Like, I, I mean, I think mid-90s is a, is a fun interesting engaging movie it's just not as fun or interesting or engaging as i wanted to be or was expecting it to be based on the kind of hype and stuff and people saying yeah and I, I mean the trailer was really um 
uh, I mean, I know that it's the job of the trailer to do this, but it was so full of all these quotes. I think I want to go back and look at that trailer and see where all these quotes came from and the context in which they were written. Because are people really saying this is as great as as that? I just don't quite see it. Well, you see, I like I said, I didn't know anything about the movie yeah. or the trailer. I've been away. You know, I had no idea what we were going to see. Actually, um, when you said, "Oh, it's a Jonah Hill film," I thought, "Ugh." Really? Right? You know, so I kind why of. Did you, why did you think "Ugh"? Well, because I thought it was probably going to be like some kind of you know pretentious actors' film, okay. uh, and they're often not very good. Um, they're often very static. You know, I mean, I think people like you know George Clooney and Robert Redford and so on. You know, they might have grown into good good filmmakers, but actually, I think the, the films are, are too slow and too serious and too portentous and not as skilled as they should be, though they, they obviously they get more skilled as they continue making them. But, you know, so I thought, oh, it's, it's either going to be one of those films or it's just going to be schlock, mm. was my view. So, so actually, to come across, you know, a small personal project you know, that is deeply felt and actually which I found very moving and very expressive. You know, the scene where the child takes the pill and they go to the party or gets drunk and they go to the party. Mm. You know, you really, he really conveys the experience of being slightly stoned, you know, by the use of the camera. Yeah, so it has moments like that that I found lovely and surprising and it's a very sweet and very touching film about a world that I know nothing about and that I have no interest in and that he made me understand and and, and I was touched by. That's fair enough. I think that's an interesting point about it, um, about seeing that it's a film directed by an actor and having low expectations. Mm. Um, because I kind of agree with you. I think the one thing that actors who direct films tend to do is get good performances because mm. that's what they're, you know, on their side of the camera normally, that's what they used to sort of, they know what, what it takes and that sort of thing. Um, but I kind of agree. Like very often, you do, you you do feel like that's all the film is about. Really, mm. I mean, I certainly feel that way with the quiz show, which I know people really adore, and I mm. kind of feel like the really only only special thing about that film is is the direction of the action. Mm. I think mm. um, the performance in that film are wonderful, but like I don't really see it in anything else. Like I don't feel like the camera's motivated to be where it is particularly. It's just kind of plonk it down and shoot, mm. make you know that sort of thing. So this, I think you're absolutely right. Like shows much more kind of. Um, aesthetic uh, sort of technique or appreciation or creativity. I think he's a real filmmaker, you know, who's appreciative of the medium, you know, and who does surprising things. I mean, the scene where the little boy falls down the roof, you know, that was very clever, you know, and also surprising and kind of, you know, the way that it was shot, I thought was really interesting, you know. Okay, cool. Well, he makes you see the potential danger in the stunt, on the one hand, there's the drama between the uh, the the older, slightly older boy mm. and him, you know. Then um, there's the warning, kind of. You don't have enough speed, right? And then there's a cut to a bench, which actually looks. At first, it just looks like he hasn't fallen on the floor. He's fallen on a little on a ramp or something. Is the way that it looks, right? And then you have the kids racing downstairs. You see, actually, he has fallen all the way down. It's just he's landed on a table. Right. So, oh no! I thought that was obvious the first time. To be fair, well, that obvious. he landed on the table. Well, it wasn't obvious because that's to what me. was there. That was what was set up. Was there's a table below here? Yeah. Well, I, that's not the way that it came okay. across to me. So you know, I thought the dramatizing of that moment was just very clever. You know, and mm-hmm. and kind of and very well done. I mean, 
it's not like you know yeah it's, you're not it's going not to Shakespeare it's, yeah it's not Shakespeare but actually it's very inventive and clever and someone you know and well done just kind of you know this is someone who knows the basics and then is using his imagination in relation to I mean it's certainly competent I would never take, take that away from me you know, I mean Jesus it's not I wouldn't say that I just but I think you might be giving it just slightly a little bit too much praise there maybe because of low expectations I think if it were for, if you were a director who you knew as a director already you go yeah that's a scene Maybe, but <laughs> but then there were all these lovely moments. You know, I, I actually I thought initially the first things that struck me was I love Academy Ratio, you know, kind of because you you get so intimate in people's faces. But actually, then you realize well, actually the film is not going to be shot in close-ups. You know, there's the like this whole world around the film. Mm-hmm. He's not afraid of letting the film linger. He's not constantly cutting. You know, he lets you see things. Yeah. You know, and I thought that takes a certain confidence as a director, right? He's not guiding your attention to every little thing. He's yeah. letting you see, yeah, and kind of, and you could see within the frame. And actually, a lot of what you see is the interrelationship between people or the learning to skate, right, or the falling or, you know, and it's all done in the city, in these places. You know, I, I like that very much. Okay. I mean, I'm not claiming that it's yeah, Shakespeare no. or, you know, it's not Orson Welles. But it's a very good film, and it's a very impressive debut. I agree. I think um, I think that uh, it's funny what you said at one point, saying uh, you kind of leant over to me and whispered, "Has has the screen got wider?" Yes. Um, which and I said, "No, I don't think it has," and it, and it hadn't, um, and it is four three the whole way through. But um, that made me pay attention to because I was I was wondering if actually that was something that the film was doing. So I was paying yeah. attention to the size of the to, to the aspect ratio. And what I kind of noticed was, just in between cuts, like it, the the screen does actually seem to change size. Yes. Like like so when when it's a it's a mid shot of 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 the kid, for instance, and and it's just his head and shoulders, whatever. It it feels very square, and then it'll cut to, um, you know, the, a kind of a, a much more panoramic, if you like, mm. sort of shot of, of of action happening, and 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 it does feel wider. Yes. And I'm not saying that's like a, a deliberate thing, but it's funny how how. How the, how the feeling changes? Yes, kind of quite quite rapidly, depending on what the shot is. and and everything is really nicely composed and thought yes. about. Sometimes it's work. very deliberate because sometimes the reason why. So after you said no, right? You know, I kept looking, and I, then I thought it's interesting because the close-ups are often framed in relation to things. So it, you know, like a window or a bed frame or yeah. So actually, it it has the effect of making it narrower, yeah, yeah, because a curtain or a bed frame is actually has the effect of of cutting of off cutting that part of the frame, the spe- yeah. yeah. So and and again, drawing your attention to faces when when the when the film wants to draw your attention to those faces, yeah. So I thought that was really just lovely. It reminds me of of, of that blog I, I wrote about Phantom Thread, yes, and all which was there, very good, which was great, and. <laughs> <laughs> If I do so myself, and also there was that um, that video essay, which if I can, if it's online, I'll find it and I'll link it. Which we saw at that at the BFI, uh-huh. which was about frames within frames. Oh yes, um, and how and how filmmakers will use will use frames or mirrors or things like that to create frames within frames without actually changing an aspiration, putting black bars yes. in, which is obviously very artificial. Which was a really interesting thing. So if I can find that, I'll link it. In that would be lovely. Yes, that'll be great. Um, and there was a Twitter thread as well that I saw just just yesterday, I think, which was about um, vertical 
filmmaking, like portrait mode on films, uh-huh. and um, and how there's a kind of history to it. And and Eisenstein wrote about it oh, right. um, okay. years and years ago about the tyranny of the horizontal frame. Uh-huh. And it made me, and again, I'll link that as well. And because it, it just made me realise again, like. Um, Shooting horizontally in in widescreen or even in four three, which is slightly wider than it is tall, um, we just kind of take as very natural. Yeah. And actually, like that's a choice as much as anything else. We just of don't course, really think of it this one. Choice. And um, and we think of it and and uh, in this thread that the guy was talking about um, about kind of widescreen or landscape orientation being taken from uh, being taken as a kind of natural progression from. Uh, painting, yes. you know, like you, you tend not to see portrait paintings as much as you do these landscape ones, and the, just the aesthetic kind of follows, and you pick it up. Whereas, it, whereas you can look at like uh, kind of uh, Japanese um, uh, sort of scroll paintings, which are vertical in nature and and, uh. and, and well, writings, one things like that. And it's really interesting. Just kind of made me realise like this is all a choice. You can choose what you want. And again, I, and that kind of in turn made me think about. Um, uh, the desktop movie, which we've talked about before, yes. and how you know, like these kind of aesthetics are open to change. Sure. You know, and well, I mean, I think my only issue is how often people don't make a choice. I they're shooting in widescreen, but actually without purpose. Yeah. Right. So, and often they don't even know how to use a widescreen frame. They don't know how to compose, you know, for a widescreen, right? Because you know, kind of. A choice of framing also kind of it's an aesthetic choice and often it should be an aesthetic choice uh, in terms of expressing particular kinds of material you can show different things but you've got to use the frame and often what you find is directors don't even use the frame they don't even know what they've got they just think this is what you've got and focus on the actor right mm-hmm. and then have empty spaces on the both sides right <laughs> which is exactly what we're talking about when we when we have actors directing movies very exactly. often and right. and you're absolutely right that this is this doesn't do that yeah. this has a really strong aesthetic sense yes and the 4 3 frame has been used for a purpose well, and you know although it could have been better lit which i agree on um you know it is it is very nicely composed yes. and thought out kind of visually yes and, um, so, yeah. so it's decent. I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, it's decent. I can't. I wish there was a little bit more resolution. I wish there was more to the main character. I, I feel like I feel like there's everything in it I've kind of seen before, but it's well, nice nonetheless, and I liked it, and quite expressive and all that. All right. Uh, <laughs> well, if you get a chance, go see it, and you know, congratulations, Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> First name basis. Oh. So um, we are eavesdropping other movies, and we are on. Uh, we're on iTunes, YouTube, and SoundCloud to listen to, and um, on uh, social media. We're on Twitter at eavesdrop movies and Facebook, and our website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. And please do give us a, a like or a or a rating or a share or whatever if you if you liked it. And if you haven't. Do it anyway. <laughs> we accept criticism as well. <laughs> yeah, not well, but we do. Well, we accept it. <laughs> we welcome it. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah. Jolly good. Let's end it here. We're going to see uh, us next. Okay, and we've got quite a bit of time, so maybe we should go for supper somewhere. Ooh, wouldn't that be darling? Mm-hmm.